The essence of a garden emanates from the flower and results in the fruit. You will know them by the fruits they bear is a biblical passage that carries a very powerful message. From time immemorial, traditional herbal law has been the method for healing of the sick and injured, and particularly in the last 50 years, herbal modalities have evolved to find a unique place within today's market-driven health system. From way back in time, frankincense and myrrh were known to have very powerful properties, and many plants offered up very effective healing qualities from rosehip to lavender to castor oil. Go to any herbal dispensary. You'll find a huge array of herbs and plant material for healing the human condition. A trip just to Hong Kong or Singapore will show that herbal medicines are still used extensively throughout the East, particularly in China. Though it's been around for 150 years, homeopathy has in many ways been the flag bearer for natural medicines, having many adherents, particularly in Germany, France and Britain with a British royal family who never seemed to be unhealthy, being the most highly visible advocates. Other modalities, particularly bark flower remedies, has gained wide credibility for the way it works on one's emotional body. Many practitioners have gone a step further, producing variations of these herbal tinctures. The late Mary Garbley from Auckland produced New Zealand's first bark flower equivalent, and there are now essences that have been produced from many countries overseas, from Alaska in the US to the Australian bush essences. There are also a growing number of healers globally who are gifted and are using their intuition to attune to new methods of divining more efficacy with regard to herbal remedies that work at subtle levels on the human body with very profound results. The fact that there are so many naturopaths becoming registered throughout New Zealand underscores the ideal that natural and traditional methods of preventative healing have an important place alongside current Western allopathic medicine. Today, New Zealanders are supplementing their health choices by using natural medicines more and more, and provided that we cherish our bodies, sustaining them with fresh, unpolluted air, clean, vibrant, unchemically treated water, and vital organic whole foods, plus exercise like tai chi, yoga or swimming, and sound sleep, and of course, warm, conducive relationships without stress, We as a community have the physical foundations to becoming a healthy, vibrant society. Our belief systems of being optimistic and positive being paramount. In the studio this morning, I have Franchel of Soski Weiber of NewZealandFlowerEssences.co.nz. Franchel, who has Native American Indian lineage, has been involved in herbal law for 35 years having studied traditional Maori healing and herbal law, working directly with Dr. Rose Pere, the tohuna from Waikere Moana. Franchel has taken this ancient knowledge in sacred plant medicine and bestowed her own intuitions and insights into applying this to the 21st century. She and her husband Tony have NewZealandFlowerEssences.co.nz and regularly teach by giving workshops as well as dispensing her sacred plant medicine teachings. So kia ora and good morning, Franchelle. Kia ora, Tim. Well, Franchelle, everything comes from the garden somewhere along the line. Admittedly, we get um, healings also from the ocean, but essentially plant material sort of bestows health and good, goodness to the human condition. Could you tell 
our audience how you got into your um, your learning from from the past of traditional methods, etc. Well, that's a difficult question, Tim, because for as long as I can remember, this has been part of my life. I come from a long lineage of medicine men and women and shamans and healers on both my mother and my father's side. So I was born with particular abilities and gifts which have enabled me and do enable me to link directly in with the Atua or the spiritual forces or the uh, plant intelligence, which of course is a very ancient, ancient traditional way of working for a healing outcome. So in, in Māoridom, for instance, I'm known as a Matakiti and Matatuhi. Matatuhi means one who can read what is written in the wind. Matakiti, one who can see with a healing eye. So, as I said, for as long as I can remember my relationship with nature, with plants, and their healing properties at a physical, emotional, and mental level has been with me. Uh, so from perhaps the best place to start would be when I was 16 or 17 when when I um, had an, a, a formal initiation and I chose to step onto the path, um, the medicine path, the healing path and devote my life and my gifts to assisting others and working with nature. I also at that time began the formal study of bark flower remedies, which you mentioned, which of course are, are well, very well known worldwide. And I also began the formal study of astrology. So those two disciplines gave me um, uh, learnings outside of my own direct connection so there was a good balance of information coming directly from my spiritual connections as well as formal study externally in uh, 1985 I received instruction from the Artur of this land to begin working with our native plant essences and traditionally when we're working with nature and in the indigenous traditions, all of the indigenous traditions, we don't just go and take from nature. The power is when nature calls you. So each plant that I worked with and made an essence from called me, appeared in spirit and informed me of uh, the sacred protocols that needed to be put in place to make the essence. As Dr. Pere will say, anyone can pick a plant and float it in water or boil it up. But the power is in knowing these sacred procedures and protocols and also sacred vibrations, the chants. And so each plant gave me the sacred chant of this land so that when the plant was picked, uh, it was honoured as being a divine child of this land with its own mana, and its own power, and its own healing gift that it wanted to share with humanity. So that process began in 1985 and continued, and still continues because the relationship is an ongoing, living, dynamic one. In 1995, I met with Dr. Rose Pere, and a very deep, abiding, long-standing friendship was rekindled. And... 
I began working with her and continue to do so. Our work involves, covers all dimensions. And I had to demonstrate to Dr. Pere that I was able to link directly into the Kurahuna, which is a Maori mystery school on the 12th plane. So there's no teaching on the physical. It's a... Uh, exists on the on the in the spiritual, and to demonstrate to her that I could receive information, um, including chants, including sacred vibration, uh, and also that I uh, certain disciplines to do this work require certain disciplines. So my work with Dr. Pere has meant that first light flower essences of New Zealand is a range of essences, the first range of essences made from the wonderful, ancient, powerful flora of this land, a a range that's been made in total integrity with the spiritual forces and protocols of Aotearoa. Um, In 2002, Dr Pere came up to um, Auckland and we officially launched First Light Flower Essences of New Zealand and she's a spiritual patron and protector in perpetuity for the work that we're doing. So the emphasis with First Light is very much on assisting others to walk their own healing journey, to empower others to take responsibility for their own healing, to step into their own power and wisdom at all levels. Um, for holistic well-being, physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually. So with that end, we we have trained um, practitioners. While people can work with flower essences without any training, um, there are also people who like to train in a modality. So we have trained practitioners and have very extensive training options available. In 2007, the focus is still very much on education, educating people to take responsibility for themselves, whether it's a a woman who wants to, a single woman who wants to um, take responsibility for her own well-being or a mother who wants to take responsibility, more active involvement with her child or her family's well-being, or whether it's naturopaths, homeopaths, nurses, doctors, all of whom come to our workshops, really the underlying motivation for them all is the same, which is in this age that we have now moved into, um, spiritual autonomy does involve self-responsibility for ourselves and, and, and assisting others to do the same. Franchelle, sacredness uh, in the process is obviously very important. And I heard you say Rose Pere was a tohuna Could you tell the audience what that is, please? Yes, most people are familiar with the term tohunga. Um, A tohunga is someone who has been taught um, teachings and who is an expert in certain fields and is taught on the physical primarily. A tohuna is someone, an ancient wisdom keeper, a keeper of the ancient wisdoms, a sower of the seeds of wisdom who knows when to sow the seeds of wisdom. And the tohuna has a direct link to the 12th plane, to the to the Maori Mystery School. So that's the fundamental difference there. Um, Dr. Pere would be, as I understand it, one of the last living tohuna of her lineage. She comes from a line of 220 generations of tohuna.
But in terms of the, the sacredness that we were talking about, uh, it, it, it's a, working with nature is a, a truly a magical process. Flower essences are magical. And the reason that they're magical is because we are working with the spirit of the plant. We're working with plant intelligence uh, for a healing outcome. And nature is willing to work with us. One of the songs that I think perhaps most aptly conveys that wonderful relationship that can exist with nature is a song by Harini Melbourne, who who is a very well-known Maori songwriter who, who's, who has moved over and passed over now. He's actually a nephew of Rose Perez. And there's a wonderful song that he wrote called Air 2, which I don't know if you've ever heard it. I did bring it into the studio, so at some stage you may, you may want to listen to it, but I'll, I'll just read the words for you. It's never been translated in English before, and, and Dr. Pere translated it. Um, and the, 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 the words of the song go, Air 2, Air 2, Air 2, Air 2 ka hekatea, whakapai uraroa, afi mai, Afiatu tatu tatu e etu kehikatoa korokoa e hinga afi mai afiatu tatu tatu e etu pariri torora opeka afi mai afiatu tatu tatu e etu etu etu. It's actually written as a children's song, but translated, what it means as best as terehuna or sacred. Sacred vibration, because it's all about sacred vibration. Stand forth, stand forth, stand forth. Stand forth, kahikatea. Reach up and across. Let the cherishing energy flow back and forth as we stand together. Stand forth, kahikatoa. Nothing will cause you to fall. Let the cherishing energy flow back and forth as we stand together. Stand forth, puriri. Let your branches reach out. Let the cherishing energy flow back and forth as we stand together. Stand forth, stand forth, stand forth. So it's a call to the trees. It's a call to nature because obviously Kahikatoa, Kahikatea and Pariri are native trees, lords, mighty lords of the forest of Aotearoa. So that song, Sacred Vibration, is a call saying that when we stand with nature, and let the cherishing energy flow when we are one, then nothing is impossible, and that nature is willing to work with us. But, of course, it's a sacred relationship with nature, with Papatuanuku, with the earth. So in order to make the native flower essences, for instance, certain disciplines had to be uh, like any relationship, there's respect. Um, you don't go and just take flowers or plants from anywhere. You wait until you're invited, just like you would wait to be invited to somebody's home and treat them with courtesy and respect and, and leave something in return. So there are certain places in New Zealand that it's not appropriate to take plants from, to remove them. What was very interesting with making the essences is that it was, wasn't appropriate to just take one flower. We had to look at the family, the whanau, what else was growing with that plant. And so we would 
make essences from three, the mother, father, the child, which meant that, once again, the plant as an individual in its own right in this land has a family, and we honour that family, and in doing so, um, set in motion sacred relationship, a long-standing sacred relationship. So the native flora of Aotearoa has some wonderfully unique characteristics. Um, Our ferns, for instance, have uh, 650 million years of of evolution behind them, so they have so much to offer in the way of healing. And they work on trauma. If a person has experienced trauma or pain or difficulty at any level, physically, emotionally, mentally or spiritually, then that pain or trauma lodges in the person's energetic field. And of course that is the basis of all shamanic and all shamanic uh, healing, that the spirit of the person is wounded or disempowered or damaged. And so in order to treat the person, we must at first treat the spirit of the person. The spirit is sick. Whereas allopathic medicine tends to focus on the symptom. Okay, what's presenting? On the body. That's right. Yeah. What, what's presenting? As opposed to sacred plant medicine, where we're looking at the spirit of the person. What's caused this? What is underlying this? Rather than suppressing, because if we suppress some, a symptom, then it will just pop out somewhere else. So we must look at what's caused this. And often we can go back and see that, say, something like uh, cancer is a classic one where they, we've had tremendous results with cancer patients with the fern essences, that cancer, uh, we can often trace the onset of it back to a series of trauma or shocks. So the uh, different families of, of plants in this land have each have different gifts to give us. The tree essences work on the chakras. Each one of us is a standing rainbow. And the trees, we have trees that link in or correspond to each one of the tra- chakras to support us, which is particularly important at this very critical time in the world's history when vibrationally everything is very unstable. And so we have the support of our native flora for that. One thing I did forget to mention was that in 2002, a, which was the official uh, launch or the official beginning of the Aquarian Age or in a Maori spirituality, the Age of Cherishing Waters, a dawn ceremony was held at Lake Waikiri Moana and many things happened at that ceremony but one of them was a call went out to the spiritual forces of the land asking for the healing that was needed for the 21st century for all humanity because the times that we are living in are so terribly challenging that as we move further and further into the new, the only way that we can survive is to draw upon these ancient sacred teachings. What we have now on the planet is the last generation of wisdom keepers, the last of them. So it is critical that we preserve these teachings 
And what's happening in order for these teachings to survive, and particularly the ones about plants, is that the elders are arcing out of the closed loop of race. For instance, I was called over to Australia, uh, to Kalgoorlie, Western, uh, to Kalgoorlie in Western Australia, uh, by Aboriginal elders who wanted to impart knowledge. And my question was, why are you not passing this on to to your son, um, your daughters? And the answer was, well, one, some weren't interested, uh, gone to the city, others, problems such as alcohol, um, drugs, etc. So in order for these ancient teachings to survive, the elders of different cultures are choosing to arc out of the closed loop of race, which of course is, when we think about it, understandable because this is the Aquarian age. This is an age where the old structures are going and we are one people. Global family. As, as Dr. Perez says, we are all Nati Ra. We're one. We come from Central Sun. We are all Nati Ra, one tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, the ancient wisdom's not restricted to, um, to culture or race anymore. In order for survival, they, they will arc out. Yes, well, I know it's important. The American Indians have been sending their emissaries to New Zealand over over the last so many years to be able to allow us to recognise the connection. And, of course, um, Barry Brailsford and um, the Sacred Stone, the Poanamo, mm. all this, these are part of the, the great jigsaw puzzle of humanity coming yes, together. Yes, that's right. And the awareness is no longer... Uh, uh, this, uh, flower essences, native plant essences... Sacred plant medicine is no longer really perceived as an um, alternative or fringe or slightly sort of flaky. It's now very, very mainstream, so much so that we're seeing a wave of doctors who are becoming very interested, one, disillusioned with the system, perhaps having gone into training as a a doctor wanting to assist others and then finding that they're just basically prescribing drugs or pills. And so there's a disillusionment there. There's a wave there, Tim, that's happening. Uh, I was just contacted a few months ago by a writer for a television documentary series called Medicine Woman. And it was the documentary, a 13-part documentary, and is hosted by a doctor, Dr. Danielle Byrne, who is Native American Indian from Canada. And she's travelling around. She trained, went into the system and became incredibly disillusioned, not only for what she was seeing happening to her own people, but what she was seeing was happening out there for all peoples. And so she... um, is on a quest to around the world, visiting specific countries and connecting with the indigenous wisdom keepers, particularly of plant medicines, sacred plant medicines. And so they came out to New Zealand, the crew came out to New Zealand and filmed the segment here. I appeared on the segment and Dr. Pere appeared on it as well. But the point being that that program, which is going to appear around the world, 
it gives you an idea of the interest that's out there in the old traditions, the sacred traditions that we need for our survival. And uh, next week I'm meeting with a group of doctors, psychologists, nurses from the UK who have come out to New Zealand for the same reason, disillusioned, wanting to connect with the ancient healing methods, particularly plants. So what we're seeing is the uh, bridges are being crossed, boundaries are being broken in the search for wholeness and health and well-being at all levels. I keep saying spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, and it is because we have to look at the whole person. And flower essences come under the form of vibrational medicine. And so uh, vibrational medicine, of course, once again, scientists are now starting to tout that term around. We're starting to hear it like they've discovered (laughs) vibrational medicine. (laughs) Little do they know that vibrational medicine, of course, has been around for thousands of years. That's what indigenous peoples have worked with for thousands of years. There's evidence that it was worked with in Egypt, Atlantis. So it's nothing new, but all of a sudden we're hearing vibrational medicine, energy medicine, and um, as a relatively new term and concept and um, something that, you know, has, has been presented to us. But it's actually very, very old. The Australian Aboriginals, vibrational medicine. The bull, the bull roarer and, and the didgeridoo. Absolutely, yes, mm. a sound, mm. sound vibration. Flower essences work um, directly on the cells in the body. So we've got our sound medicine which is, as you've said, we, we, we um, hear that and that affects every cell in our, every aspect of us because we are quite simply energy in motion, vibration. But the difference with flower essences is that they're ingested. Okay, so we take them. I mean, you can apply them topically, but generally flower essences are ingested. And they work by a process of resonance transfer. And they have a therapeutic immediacy and efficacy. They affect every cell in the body, which, of course, the cells in the body hold memory. So if the cells in our body hold the memory of pain or cancer or disease or sickness or illness, then we have to reprogram the cells in the body in order to bring about healing. Um, So flower essences are the only form of vibrational medicine that does that. And the flora from this country, of course, has so many, many unique characteristics that give it a potency and a power that I do not believe is found anywhere else on the planet. This is the pulse. New Zealand is the pulse of the planet. Ancient Hawaii Tauta, the pulse. So this is the heartbeat. So there is a power here. There is a vitality here. There is a vigor here that our plants have that is found nowhere else on the planet. Not only that, our ecosystem is the only ecosystem in the world where there is no toxic warfare between our plants. Now, when we're working with plant medicine, that's critical because plant medicine restores the being to a, to a harmonious state. Remember, dis-ease, disease, is simply dis-ease or disharmony. So flower essences work to restore harmony 
Therefore, plants that grow in an ecosystem that grows harmoniously have to have more power mm-hmm. than those that don't. Mm-hmm. Fact. Don't have to be an Einstein to figure that one out. So it's the only ecosystem in the world where there's no toxic warfare between our plants. So just continuing, Tim, on the theme of our native plants, the New Zealand native plants, and some of the very, very unique qualities that they have that make for therapeutic immediacy when they're used as sacred plant medicine. Uh, our, Our plants, our trees, for instance, our native forest trees, are the only trees in the world that grow in a certain way. They grow in total cooperation. Most trees, when they are growing, put down a tap root, which is a central root that supports the tree as it's growing. But our native forest uh, trees don't do that. They don't put down a tap root. How they how they grow is that their neighbours support them, so they grow cooperatively, which is uh, is unique. We don't believe there's any other um, country in the world where this occurs. Another very interesting fact about our flowers, which most people don't know, is that flowers, in order to grow and become flowers have to be pollinated by by bees. Uh, But in order to attract the bees' attention, a flower generally has to get very big and colourful and show off, okay, to to attract the bees' attention. Otherwise, it doesn't get pollinated, and that's the end of that. Well, our native flowers, of course, you'll probably know most of them are very, very small. Most of them are very, very small. And they're not particularly colourful. Most of them are white or green, which incidentally is the colour of you know the pure white of spirit and the the green of of, of healing and nature and the heart. Chakra. Mm. Mm. So our native flowers are pollinated by birds, native birds, tuis, bellbird, stitch bird native moths as well pollinate our flowers so in another words our flowers, native flowers don't have to um, uh, get big and show off and to get anybody's anything's attention so there's once again there's not the need to push and shove there's a is a harmony a harmonious existence so I could probably go on and on and on about the many different qualities, but that's probably enough just to give you a gist of of them. I'm just thinking one is just coming to me now, which is our dra- um, dragon dragon leaf. Now, that can be 30 years old before it flowers, uh, which, once again, what's the hurry? We've got all the time in the world, as opposed to a lot of flowers that flower quickly and then they die quickly, uh, dragon leaf, 30 years, sometimes 100 years before it, before it flowers. So this longevity that we see in this country is also very important when it comes to, to, to plant medicine. Kauri has a lineage of 190 million years. It brings us a healing lineage of 190 million years, which is, which is amazing. We have so much healing wisdom to draw on. Kauri um, corresponds to the heart chakra 
So if somebody's heart chakra is blocked or out of balance, then Kari is there to support that 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 person. So yeah, my my journey, Tim is, I see first light flower essences of New Zealand, is a divine child. It's it's our child, and as such, we have a responsibility. Uh, I was entrusted with the responsibility. We were entrusted with the responsibility to bring it into being. It's a divine child, and as such, it has a life and a destiny of its own. So therefore, in a sense, it's like no attachment to anything other than first light, flower essences, fulfilling, giving the plants of this land the opportunity to spread their healing light around the world, which is what they want to do. We are the first country in the world to see the light. Therefore, the healing light, the healing energy from these essences goes around the world. They were created to go around the world. At this time in the world's history where there is so much that we are having to cope with at all levels, so much that humanity has to cope with. The times have changed hugely from 80 years ago when Dr. Bach released his essences. So much has happened. 80 years ago, there was no cell phones, there were no microwaves, there was no electricity, there was no... Atom. (laughs) That's the one. (laughs) Uh, yes. Yes. So the needs of the times are great. And the whole thing, working with nature, if there is a need, then we, humanity calls, nature will answer, and nature has answered. So I, I, just, I have a total commitment um, and dedication for my life uh, um, to, 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 to assist others in their healing journey and honouring these ancient ways. We have a wonderful event happening in a couple of weeks' time where we've got Dr. Pere coming up um, for, for two events on the 9th and 10th of February. She comes up every two years with, um, with us and that's a very special time for us to have her. We work in, 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 in spirit and we work physically, but to actually have her up here wanting to meet our people and wanting to pe- meet people who have an interest in healing is is a really wonderful opportunity. So if anyone's interested, we've got information on that on the website, and that's the 9th and 10th of February. Also, we're having some residential workshops coming up later on in the year with the focus on um, sacred healing techniques that I've been taught by um, Aboriginal elders from my own tradition and from the tradition of this land. So when we look at it, all indigenous teachings come from one place, which is spirit. So, uh, yes, that's that's a great opportunity once again for people who are wanting to walk the medicine path, their own. Yes, because what you said was the American people wanting to know more of the British people coming Absolutely. here. Absolutely, there is this this incredible desire to want to know, and the fact that that our trees in New Zealand. Co- grow cooperatively. I know that when Richardson Bar Baker was here, he said that if you take a kauri tree and put it by itself, it sulks. Oh, that's it, right. It, it needs to grow mm-hmm. in community, and oh, yes. and, and so the fact that we are 
um, taking in these um, tinctures or medicines from plants that mm. cooperate, mm. we trust will instill in us mm. the spirit of cooperation for Absolutely. us, for, for global group mind to come into yes. being. And that's what I was saying yeah. in terms of when we're making the essences, yeah. that we're making them with their family because yes. it's not fair to take them away from their family. Yes. And the native orchids are like that as well. You can't take them out because they'll sulk. Yes. And, and, and orchid growers will tell you that the native yeah. other orchids won't, but our native orchids will yeah. sulk because they they grow in a community. They yes. they are part of something else. Yes. They are part of the oneness. Mm. They're not separate from. Um, so I, I just quickly tell you a funny story. Of, speaking of orchids, if we've got time, uh, we have a, a a lovely orchid, native orchid called the sun orchid, and. Uh, it had appeared in spirit and envision and said that it wanted to be made as an essence, which, as I've said, is the traditional way all indigenous cultures, if you ask them, how did you know what the plant can do? And they'll say, the plant told me. So it's that's how it works. And so the plant, the orchid, was to be made as an essence. And so we, it flowers, mm, it's called a sun orchid, but it may only flower once every five or six years. And we'd had the orchid for some time. I've been watching the baby, you know, watching it. Anyway, we were due to, we were packing to go down to Hamilton for a show. I was doing a talk down there. And because we don't get very much time to ourselves, I said to Tony, oh, well, be lovely. Maybe we'll just leave a few hours earlier and before we have to go and set the stand up, we'll just go and have a look down the main street of of Hamilton. We thought, oh, that would be a great idea. Anyway, we're getting ready to leave and I went back, I went out into the back uh, yard garden to say goodbye to the plants, as you do, to, as if you're going away, because you've got... Individuals there, that's right, to say goodbye. And I could feel this terrible, terrible anxiety. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? So I explained, well, it's okay, we're only going away for a couple of days. You know, we'll be back. No reason to worry. Well, it didn't abate. It just got, the anxiety got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I said to Tony, go out and check, you know, see what, um, we, we went separately, you know, to see if we could, Ascertain. It must be individual, an individual. Well, sure enough, guess what had happened? The sun orchid had flowered and was panicking that we were going to drive off for two days because it often only will flower for a very finite period of time. And so the sun orchid was panicking. Abandoning. That was being abandoned. <laughs> and it's one opportunity in seven years or whatever it was yeah. that it wouldn't get made. And yeah. It wouldn't have its chance to go out. Yeah. Because we mustn't forget there's a willingness. Yes. They, they want to, they have a destiny themselves, mm. just mm. as we do. They have a destiny. And so, for, anyway, as I'm sure you've put two and one and one together, we didn't. Um, get to have a wander, a saunter down the main street of Hamilton at all. Uh, everything went on hold, and life stops for whatever the plants want. That's how it is in our life. Life stops. Anything we want to do comes second to what wants to ha- what the plants want to have happen. So we have a wonderful sun orchidescence um, made now. Mm. 
Yes, because this is quite a Findhornian message oh, too, yes. is that, is that yes. all, all, the whole community was based around listening or feeling or Correct. intuiting uh, what plants needed. If it was too cold, a plant would say, look, I don't want to be out in the sun. If it had wet feet, it said, no, I wanted to be in a dry yes. area or take me out of the wind. So That's absolutely right. And, and people think, oh, Findhorn, you know, it's sort of a new thing. No, there's nothing new about it at all. It's the old way of working because somebody backyard or garden is like um, the plant divas it's their home so just like in our own home we like things a certain way and we don't like um, you know rubbish lying around or we like to move our furniture they're the same so we're just looking at it differently that that's their environment and so how can we uh, assist and participate in a process that makes for a living, dynamic relationship with nature. And um, just thinking, and miracles do happen, we have a lemon tree, speaking of Fintorn, we have a lemon tree in the backyard that has grown the most wonderful orange on it that doesn't just look like an orange, it tastes like, tasted like an orange and was the most superb orange. So when you start to live in this way, then everything is possible. There are no limitations when we link in, into the oneness. Kinship of all life. Uh, mm. it, it, it's, it's really interesting because um, Māori always, they needed a tree to be cut mm. down, they went out and blessed it. Absolutely. And, and Prince Charles, of course, mm. he, he got a lot of curry for actually saying that he talks to his plants, which was a great pity because mm. he was wanting to be honest and, and say That's how he right. felt. Mm. But in doing so, he got a lot of ridicule. But in mm. actual fact, uh, there's lots of, in the secret um, world of plants, I think, yes. and supernature. Again, yes. all the, the stats are there that, f- that they've been able to physically measure responses from plants. Mm. Once again, scientists are now playing catch-up and, and doing all in, you know, these um, experiments and research to prove that, yes, plants feel. And goodness me, they've realised plants can think. And, surprise, surprise, plants can communicate. I mean, yawn, yawn, yes. know, wake up. But anyway, yes. they're finally getting there. But, yes, yes it, it is that, that u- unity um, and one is that how how ignorant of us to think that we are the only intelligent um, <laughs> beings on the planet, only yeah. only intelligent yeah. beings on the planet. Yes, mm. well, because of a sharing of breath, uh, we're, we're happy to take their oxygen, and they're happy to take our CO two. Mm. And of course, mm. I don't know if you're familiar with the Anastasia series of books about the, the young woman up in Siberia and Russia. At the mm. moment, there's about nine books yes. that just come out where she uh, maintains that. She has a um, very close relationship with cedar trees mm. and, and the cedar nut oil. Mm. And, and the cedar talks to um, That's right. her great-grandfather and her grandfather. So there, mm. there are now more and more people mm. coming forward yes. and, and realising we are just sort of um, energy fields in a greater universal mm. energy field. That's right. a- and these other energy fields mm. have um, a, a need to be able to communicate their being just mm. like us mm. and to live in harmoniously together yes isn't it rather than power over so it's establishing a trust-based mm. relationship yes because i guess it goes right back to the fact that the opening words we emerged out of the garden mm. and and this garden of course 
We trust mm. has got myriads mm. of, of flower fragrances, essences, yes. color, mm. and and we come back to the principle of of, of sacred vibration, and each of the flower essences, each of the plant essences, Doctor Pere um, gave a sacred salutation in um, Tere Huna, which is hidden language. So he has a hidden, the language behind Maori sacred vibration. And the sacred salutations honour and bless each plant for the gift that it brings as it has gone out there into the world on its healing journey. So that's that sacred relationship that it's like anyone. When we honour something, then there is that dynamic relationship. So the flower essences have that um, potency because we do have sacred relationship. You honour anything, anyone, and there's a willingness, isn't there? There's a willingness to share, to give with true relationship. So the plants are giving us their best, whereas you can go pick a plant and you're, you, unless sacred protocols are honoured, you're, you're not going to get the full um, therapeutic qualities of what that plant can do. It may work at physical, but it doesn't not likely to work at the higher levels. So for some people they may seem a foreign concept and, and, and slightly peculiar. For me it's a way of life. I was born into a tradition that lives that way, breathes that way and um, I know no different and it's a path of, of, of true power. Cooperation is a path of true power and wholeness and well-being. To the extent where you can have, say, a, a row of 20 essences, and if you listen, the plant intelligence will tell you which one you need or which one someone needs. It's that close. It's that um, powerful. It's that magical Yes, I guess it's a co-creation, and to, mm. to a degree that too, that, that your your higher virtues or your higher self will move out and touch the plant that is calling you out. So there's That's a, correct. There's a, a, a bridge is, is connected, mm. and and you, I know because a lot of people who have asked, do you want this particular um, plant essence mm. and your hand will go out even with orosoma mm. people will put their hand out and pick yes. their colour in this case. That's or. right and, and what we understand that's the wairua, the spirit of the person is working with the spirit of the plant for a healing outcome, that's magic and that's within each of our, our, our grasp so the we have flowers, trees flowers, ferns, trees seeds and plant essences and I've talked a little bit about the flowers uh, which are harmonious emotions, the ferns, trauma, and uh, working on the energy field, the trees, the chakras. The seeds are interesting, Tim, because they correspond to ancestral or hereditary issues. Anything from um, some cultures, there's curses that have come down the family line. Um, sometimes it can just be hereditary things uh, physically, like you know asthma or depression. Um, so the seed essences are very, 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 very unique once again. And, and then we have our plant essences, which 
um, work on uh, relate to the each of us as a soul on a journey and each of us has experiences that plants can support us um, to go through in our life. Yes, boy. Well, this is just wonderful, Franchelle. There's heaps of uh, deep knowingness within this whole realm mm. and it's uh, so important for us to be able to share with everybody because as we... Um, Realize that we're going into a very, very changeable world at the moment mm. where cooperation for the sake of humanity's um, mutual yes. destination is, a, is at critical. stake, is critical. Mm. This will help uh, to know that we have got these um, medicines or remedies to mm. assist us on our journey. Mm. Uh, I think that's fantastic. So I, I'd like to say thank you once again for you to coming in here, sharing of your your wisdom and we trust that uh, we'll heal the world and heal ourselves and mm. yes thank you very much tim it's been a real pleasure to be here with you okay mm. that was from chow of soki waiba of newzealandfloweressences.co.nz and we will finish with some sacred maori chants <laughs> Conscious change takes time to come into being. In the Challenges of a Changing Earth Open Science Conference held from the 10th to the 13th of July 2001 in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, over 1,400 scientists from 105 countries were represented to discuss the status of the Earth and summarise the major events of the first decade of the International Geospheric Biosphere Programme. One of the major outcomes of the conference was the adoption of the Amsterdam Declaration on Global Change, 
which was formally endorsed by a strong majority of the conference participants. The declaration aimed at alerting the world about the reality of global change and the urgent need for action. Such an awareness was based on research carried out over the past decade providing sound scientific evidence that the Earth system behaves as a single, self-regulating system comprised of physical, chemical, biological and human components. That human activities are significantly influencing Earth's environment in many ways in addition to greenhouse gas emissions and climate change. That global climate change cannot be understood in terms of a simple cause and effect paradigm. Earth system dynamics are characterised by critical thresholds and abrupt changes. Human activities could inadvertently trigger such changes with severe consequences for Earth's environment and inhabitants. In terms of some key environmental parameters, the Earth system has moved well outside the range of the natural variability exhibited over the last half million years. An ethical framework for global stewardship and strategies for Earth system management was also urgently needed and a new system of global environmental science is required. What was of interest to me was that a general consensus was arrived at which stated that the Earth system behaves as a single, self-regulating system comprised of physical, chemical, biological and human components. What I find so compelling about this scientific statement is that a tree, an animal or a human being also regulates itself by comprising of physical, chemical and biological components. What they were basically stating was that the Earth is a giant living superorganism. So, from ancient myth to 21st century science, and Albert Einstein said that imagination is more important than knowledge. Over the last 30 years, there's been a growing theory that is becoming upgraded today as science fact. Our planet, Mother Earth, is a living being, and all life forms are her offspring. This translates that we humans could be said to be Mother Earth's children with the inherent ability to become super-conscious adults. This is the Gaia hypothesis, pronounced Gaia, named after the Greek word for Earth Mother. In 1969, James Lovelock, a British scientist who worked for the NASA US space program, rekindled for us the idea that planet Earth, like the Sun, is a conscious living being. For when you look at, say, our human body, with its hundreds of billions of cells, plus organs, bones and bloodstream, we see that they all work together as a single living system. Us. And so do the oceans, atmosphere, rocks and billions of life forms on Earth. They interrelate and work in symphony as a colossal living superorganism. And of course this is what most indigenous peoples intuitively know. Mother Nature and Mother Earth are one. <laughs> 